Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snack Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Jackson trying to escape and run for it, and he's got it more. Lamar Jackson down the sideline. Will they give it to him? They will. Touchdown, Baltimore. And with 117 left to play on Wild Card Weekend, the Hayes in the Barn. Oh my God! I wish you guys could. I wish we had a camera in here so you could see what we're doing. We're just a bunch of <laughs> clowns in here. <laughs> How much fun is that? All right, welcome on back to another edition of the Baltimore Beatdown Podcast. It is Friday, April twenty third. Friday, rolling. Uh, the boys are here in the virtual studio, uh, and Spenny is just emanating Friday vibes right now. This guy is just in one of the better moods that I've seen in a, a good long while, and he is just ready to ready to party pod. Couldn't be any more positivity radiating from me. Uh, my back is thrown out. I've had maybe four technological issues today. Jake recorded a lovely interview with a special guest, Mr. Anthony Averett. I was unable to participate because of technological interviews and issues. Uh, I am several volumes deep from my back being thrown out, and I'm still not chill. So that is how you know that uh, I'm not chill. So we go to record just now, and uh, that didn't go well because my laptop that I've had for maybe seven, eight months, the drivers don't detect the camera or the microphone or any cameras or any microphones for some reason. Uh, I had to spend a lot of time with Windows Assistant, trying to get back into that. So it's, it's just been uh, an entire entire issue. Uh, so yeah, here, here we are. We're here. I'm recording via Apple earbuds. Come standard with the iPhone. And that's what this has uh, regressed to. So love you guys. And uh, that's my rant. So now all positive vibes from here on out. Yeah, glad you got that out of your system. But uh, yeah, the technical issue is not, not really your fault on that interview. They weren't even really mine either. Just kind of a weird setup that uh, hopefully I'm going to remedy with uh, some equipment upgrades uh, within the next however long. But uh, yeah, got a great interview at the end of the show with uh, Mr. Anthony Averett, uh, Ravens cornerback, sat down with me for about 20 minutes or so uh, to discuss all manner of things. Uh, great guy, and I really appreciate his time. But uh, before we get into that, uh, we did have some Final housekeeping that we wanted to do on the Beatdown Big Board segment that we put together. We obviously sat down with Voss the other night to add four names into the mix. And uh, tonight, what we're trying to do basically is seed the bracket. So get our one seeds, our two, three, four, five, 
six, seven, eight for each side, and uh, just kind of go from there. Let's seed them. Let's uh, let's reap the seeds. The uh, what is the, the seed of my loin? What is the tweet? Um, me sowing. Oh fuck yeah, this is awesome. Me reaping. Oh wait a minute, no, what the fuck? That's, yes, exactly. That's an all timer. But uh, yeah, it is an all timer. So got all that to uh, to get to uh no really no news on the docket or anything uh nothing that we haven't touched on anyway since the liars luncheon so uh yeah you know you you got your rant out of the way we got all that out of the way so let's jump right into it uh i'll just kind of read off the names here for you we got uh jalen phillips and aziz ojalari at edge at tight end we got pat fryermuth and brevin jordan at offensive line we have creed humphrey and landon dickerson at safety we have trevon morig and richie grant at defensive line, Christian Barmore and Ali McNeil. Wide receivers are Rashad Bateman and Terrace Marshall. And then out of the two wild card categories, the first one we had Tevin Jenkins and Alex Leatherwood. And the second one we had Joe Tryon and Elijah Moore. It's a solid group. Very solid group. It certainly is. It's uh it's gonna be kind of tough, I think. I like how do you want to start? Do you want to start with the lower seeds or the higher seeds? Let's start with the lower seeds. I think that would be a fun activity. So uh, the wild cards have to be seeded the lowest because that is the nature of the game. Okay. So of all games. So we got Jenkins, Leatherwood, Tryon, and Elijah Moore. I think Jenkins is the highest seed of the wild cards. So he's a seven. He's a seven seed. Ooh, that's that's frisky right there. Oh yeah. Then I believe we should go with I kind of feel like Tryon is the other seven. I think so, too. That's what I was going to say. I was stuck between him and Elijah Moore, but I, I kind of want Elijah Moore to be a lower seed. Yeah, I was I thinking like, that, too. I feel like I feel like you and I and like some of the other people that are maybe a little deeper in this stuff are starting to get hip to Elijah Moore, but I feel like for a lot of other people that are maybe listening or just may, maybe more casual, he's kind of slipped through the cracks up to this point, and they're still kind of you know sort of getting hip to uh, Elijah Moore, but I think he's a strong, he's going to be a strong eight seed as well. I think that people have kind of started to started to be like, ah, oh, he's too small. I think that was like like people looked at his outstanding production and he set the all-time SEC yard receiving yards per game record this past season. And everyone was like, Wow, Elijah Moore. And they're like, eh, he's a slot guy, he's small. And then they've kind of started to discount him. And it's like you see Deami Brown sneaking into the fifth receiver spot, and people are really bullish on Terrace Marshall. And I feel like Kader, like I feel like I feel like at one point, Elijah Moore had a lot more buzz than Kadarius Tony, and Kadarius Tony got really quiet, and then it's like flipped. Now Tony's getting a lot of buzz again. Yeah, kind of funny how the draft always works like that, where guys basically, they just, you know, take turns like going in waves of like their popularity or whatever it might be, their Q rating. And uh, if you catch the wave at the right time, then uh, that might really help you as it feels like it might be with Elijah Moore right now, but going to be an eight seed here in the bracket. And then that leaves uh, Mr. Leatherwood. Yeah, so he's going to be the other one. So we've got... Our two eights on each side are Alex Leatherwood and Elijah Moore. Our two sevens, Tevin Jenkins and Joe Tryon. Uh, so left on the board, Bateman and Marshall, Barmore, McNeil, Morrig and Grant, Creed, Humphrey and uh, Landon Dickerson, Pat Fryermuth, Brevin Jordan, Jalen Phillips, Aziz Ojolari. Who, who are we looking at for the sixth seed? Has to be Fryermuth. I think both the tight ends are probably six seeds. Yeah, that's a good call, I think. Not really a position of need. Both good players, but... Yeah. Fryermuth has taken a dip in the in the media buzz as well. I think uh I think he had like a really stellar buzz going like, 
like entering last year. And then people started to watch the games and they're like, yeah, he's solid all around, but Kyle Pitts has really overshadowed him. And uh, it's, it's a weird tight end year, but yeah. And then Brevin Jordan, just Mr. Mr. Like tweener, big receiver can block a little bit. Yeah. It kind of feels like not a great tight end class and to the point where people were maybe talking themselves into a guy like Friar Ruth or even Jordan to some extent uh, as dudes. It kind of reminds me of 2015 when like Max Williams was looked at as this great prospect, but if he actually kind of peeled back the layers, there was maybe some concerns. No, I think Maxi was dope. I think he just had that terrible knee injury and had an unprecedented uh, surgery and recovery. And he like at Minnesota, he was like hurtling dudes. Of course, the Ravens drafted him after they saw that, but he was pretty explosive. Like he lo- he he went from like the explosive receiving type into the inline traditional kind of Y because of that knee injury. I think I think he had a pretty bad knee injury. But yeah, it was a pretty weird pick at the time for sure. Yeah, I mean, they, they needed a tight end, so I don't blame them. But uh, we, we don't have to relitigate the Max Williams pick. Uh, so for the five seed, left on the board, uh, Jalen Phillips, Aziz Ojolari, uh, Creed Humphrey, Landon Dickerson, Trevon Morig, Richie Grant, Christian Barmore, Ali McNeil, Rashad Bateman, Terrace Marshall. I'm kind of looking at Richie Grant as maybe a fly in the ointment here for a five seed. I think Grant and Ali McNeil as well. Ali McNeil is a nose tackle. He's, you know, not going to be a 10-sack guy ever. Uh, he is a good pass rusher, but I, he's not that sexy. But the listeners of this podcast know how I feel about Godzilla, the the big boy Godzilla in the middle of the defense. Uh, so I think, yeah, Grant and Liam McNeil, those would be good five seeds. Okay, so looking at our fours, Jalen Phillips, Aziz Ojolari, Creed Humphrey, Landon Dickerson, Trevon Morig, Christian Barmore, Rashad Bateman, Terrace Marshall. This feels four is where it's starting to get a little tough. What do you think? I think it's getting tough as well. Hmm. I want to say Dickerson. Medical concerns. And I want to say Terrace Marshall, also medical concerns coming out. Daniel Jeremiah, peeling back the onion, as you just said, uh, regarding the combine showing some leg and foot issues for Mr. Marshall. They sound kind of serious. Yeah, he said that, I think Daniel Maya used the words medical concerns popped regarding his leg and foot. But at the same time, you know, I'll, I'll play devil's advocate. You know, we're not going to know what they are. And DK Metcalf had some pretty serious medical concerns as well. Um, I feel like, you know, maybe more serious than a leg or a foot with Metcalf's worry was the neck. And a leg and a foot, you know, those can be certainly debilitating. But a neck injury, once it's once it has truly gone to the point of no return, it does exactly as I said and can't come, be come back from. Ask Mr. Zach Orr, whose career was very unfortunately derailed from it. Um, so let's go. Yeah, I like those guys, the four seeds. And you're always telling me off air how much you love good neck, too. So that's I, I could see how that would be a big, big concern for you. But uh, wow. Uh, so moving down to the. That was amazing. That was good. You got to admit it. We're down to three seeds. Uh, we've got Rashad Bateman, Christian Barmore, Javon Morig, Creed Humphrey, Jalen Phillips, Aziz Ojulari. I feel like we have to put Barmore as a three seed. Yeah. I feel I like that gives him a pretty good matchup as well. Feels like he got a little far even too, which I kind of like. I like a lot. I like a lot. And mm, I want to say, I want to say Ojolari, I think. I was thinking that. I was looking, I was thinking one of these edges is probably going to be a three seed. Right. Ojolari. Yeah. 
And then we're getting to the the real favorites here. So who we're not picking is one. So that leaves us with Rashad Bateman, Creed Humphrey, Jalen Phillips, and who is and who's the final? Um, it is going one to more. be Trevon Morig. Trevon Morig, Morig as well. So let's go Creed Humphrey. Creed is, you know, I like putting him at a two seed. I think he can beat a one. I think putting him against some weaker competition, I think he'll do for me. Well. For me, it shakes out pretty obviously as Creed Humphrey and Jalen Phillips is the two seeds and then Merrig and Bateman is the one seeds. I'm fine with that. I think Bateman and Merrig are the kind of the, the darlings of the Ravens mock drafts and both are great fits for things that they don't currently have on their roster as well as talent, as well as production, as well as experience. Um, I like both of them a lot. Merrick has grown on me quite a bit. I, The more you watch him, the, the more you realize how truly in control of the, the deep middle he is when he plays it and what he can do in, in man coverage. So I like that a lot. And then we've got some strong two seeds. Jalen Phillips, realistically, you know, the, we don't know the medical concerns. We'll, we'll hear. Ravens might not even come close to sniffing him. He might be the, of all of these players, he might be the first drafted. He's a riser. Okay, so setting the bracket. So as far as the ones that we have, I don't want I don't want Rashad Bateman going up against Elijah Moore. I'd rather him go up against Alex Leatherwood. What do you think? Yeah, I like that. I like that for the purpose of the tournament, for, of the bracket for sure. Yeah, I don't want the receivers. Okay, so Bateman, one seed. Leatherwood eight. Our other yeah, one I don't seed. Think, hopefully the receivers aren't tangling in the first round. I don't think any of them are. Yeah, probably not. Our other one seed is going to be Morig, and the other eight is going to be Elijah Moore. That's a sneaky battle. That really is. I feel like uh, people like Morig, but people also really, really want a fucking receiver. That's true. Moore, eight. Okay. Two versus seven. So here we have Tevin Jenkins and Joe Tryon. And Jalen Phillips and Creed Humphrey. Whew. Wait, Jalen Phillips and Creed that that can't be a two versus a seven. No, so it's Tevin Jenkins and Joe Tryon are the sevens. And oh right, 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 right. Yeah. Oh, you're I, I misunderstood. Okay, so let's go, let's go Tevin Jenkins, Jalen Phillips. Because I think that's a battle. Yeah, that's actually really good. That's like a that's a that's a Five versus an eleven seed, and the eleven seed is like a prestigious blue blood program in March Madness. That's a tough pick. That's a tough pick in the bracket. That really makes me like the fact that we added those wild cards too. Yes, for sure. Phillips two, okay, and then that leaves Creed Humphrey and Tryon. Right. Okay. And Tryon, that's a, a Creed Humphrey's probably going to blow him out of the water, but Tryon is such a sneaky good fit for the Ravens. It feels like, yeah, he definitely is Creed. He's you know one of these one of these fan favorites. Um, so the fact that he managed to grab a two seed there based off Morig, I think is uh, that's going to be big for him. Very big, big for the program. So at three seeds, we have Aziz Ojolari and who else did we have there? Christian Barmore versus the six seeds in Brevin Jordan and Pat Fryermuth. Doesn't matter. Just cut them up. Okay. So I'm going to go Ojolari versus Pat Fryermuth. Three and Fryermuth 
six. And then Brevin Jordan is another six who is going to be going up against, who is the three? Barmore. Barmore. Christian Barmore. Okay. Let's go to the Barmore. Uh, that's going to be a sneaky. I feel like Ravens fans like Brevin Jordan to like a preposterous amount. They really do. I think he was a guy who had a lot of steam early on. He's kind of like one of the flashy pass catching options. People kind of look at him as just like a receiver light, I feel like. So maybe that's where he's, you know, he might he might actually have a chance there, I feel like. He shouldn't, but because of how Ravens fans feel about pass catchers, he will. And need, I feel like, too, is, you know. There's a there's a very strong cult of there's a cult following of the Ravens need a third tight third tight end. I, I would like I a, would subscribe to that, but like you know, as far as like a high pick, maybe that might be a little bit of a tougher sell. Right, right, right. Um, so that leaves the fours and the fives. So we have Terrace Marshall Jr. the third, um, Landon Dickerson, both as fours and then fives. We have Lee McNeil and uh, Richie Grant. Let's go. So it was Terrace Marshall and Landon Dickerson of the fours. Yep. Okay, so let's go Aleem McNeil versus Dickerson. Fine. And then that leaves Richie Grant and Terrace Marshall. And Dickerson and Marshall will both blow those out of the water. But, like, Richie Grant should not would be the second-round pick. So we'll have to. Well, what is what is let it be? What yeah, not. I mean, not everyone was not everyone was going to have a chance. You know, some some of these guys are just kind of cannon fodder. But you know, they made just it. Just consider where you think they might go, or where the Ravens would have to take them, in your own personal opinion, and then that answers your questions. Right. All right. So the bracket is set. We've got uh, coming out of the uh, Western bracket, top to bottom, is Trevon Morig, a one seed versus Elijah Moore, an eight. We've got Aline McNeil, a five seed versus Landon Dickerson, a four. We have. Brevin Jordan, a six seed versus Christian Barmore, a three. We have Creed Humphrey, a two seed versus Joe Tryon, a seven. Out of the Eastern, we have Tevin Jenkins, a seven versus Jalen Phillips, a two. We have uh, Terrace Marshall, a four seed versus Richie Grant, a five. Aziza Ujolari, a third and Pat versus Pat Fryermuth, a six. And Alex Leatherwood, an eight versus Rashad Bateman, a one. Wow, Rashad Bateman's going to go 97% on that one. Yeah, I mean, so here's what we're going to do. We're going to go ahead and put together a bracket for you the you guys, the fans, to vote on for us to discuss. I think we'll probably try to have that up before the next episode that we do where we're going to be doing our own vote. And so we're going to be discussing it before we do that, and then it's going to be me, you, and Voss going through this thing and uh, picking our own as well. So there's going to be two different winners, one voted on by the fans and one voted on by us. How's that sound? That is fantastic. This has been quite a fun project. I'm glad that we we worked our way through. We did skip the tackle episode a little bit. That one fell through the cracks, but uh, there's been tons of good tackle talk on Twitter, on wherever it's a strong tackle class. So I feel like people are pretty like we 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 got a lot of we got some good tackle talk in on the OL episode. I think. Actually, we probably did. We just didn't pick any because there was a, yeah there was Jalen Mayfield that we we talked about a lot of those guys. We did. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah, we did a whole O-line episode. You're right. Um, but yeah, so we did even better than that. This has been a fun prog- process, and I'm glad to see it come to uh, the the finale setup, the conclusion. We've got that that season five, episode 10 coming out, basically, uh, the, the series finale of the Baltimore 
Beatdown Big Board, the Beatdown Big Board, ladies and gentlemen. It's been a lot of fun doing this, and I'm excited to to crack into it a little bit more and get some real uh, real decision making goggles on. Pretend like we're in the war room and having to real realistically pick between these guys because basically it's as if you know any of these two matchups are you're at a certain draft pick and those are the top two highest rated players you have on the Ravens board hypothetically, and you know going through it pros and cons age you know, where they'll be in four years, how they'll make an immediate impact, if they're helping a need right now or not, uh, all kinds of stuff. Positional value, Vaz will get into that deeply when we reconvene with him and all that good stuff. So this is going to be good. I think this was a really fun exercise. And I think it was a, I think it was both a general and also deep dive at the same time somehow of, of looking at these classes and then looking at what the Ravens need. And I think we kept it brief, but went in depth enough at the same time. So kudos to us. I think this was good. Yeah, definitely. I want to thank you for your uh, your great work and insight on it. As always, it was really fun getting together and doing the in-person episode. So hopefully we can keep that going the more we move forward here. I know uh, you like to get down and see the franchise whenever you can, but uh, whenever you're in the area, feel free to pop on through here and we'll keep that uh, momentum rolling uh, whenever we can. Uh, if anyone was wondering, but uh, yeah, it was uh, it was a ton of fun. I want to thank everyone for engaging with it on social media, voting, and uh, just kind of chopping up these prospects with us. I think uh, it was maybe intended more as like a journey over destination thing, or it was really just a conduit to talk about all these prospects. But uh, in the end, I think it wound up being both. It was both a fun journey, and uh, we're reaching a really fun destination here as we roll into draft week. We absolutely are. And I would say there's a pretty high probability that one of those players ends up on the Baltimore Ravens. I think I would be a little surprised. I wouldn't be shocked, but I'd be a little surprised if none of those 16 gentlemen are rocking the purple and black in 2021. Yep, definitely. Uh, okay, bud, 20 minutes running here. We got uh, another 20 minutes to go with this interview coming up. Anything else for the people before we get out of here for the weekend? No, I'm trying to get into my big three articles that I have in mind ahead of the draft. Uh, we will be bringing you, you know, the, the breaking news, the picks, and what's going on with everything next week as well. So, We'll be mixing it up, chopping it up, probably getting really drunk at some point. And we doing a live stream? Getting into these prospects. Yeah, we'll probably live stream. Okay. That sounds like a plan then. We'll probably live stream. I like what we did last year. We had fun last year. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. We can uh, hopefully do that again in some form, and uh, that's going to be good. And uh, I guess on Wednesday, we can go ahead and plan to do just a, a mega preview type thing. So I'll maybe start putting together a uh, run sheet uh, type deal for that. But uh, yeah, uh, you know, on Monday, obviously, we're going to have our episode with the bracket. So uh, we got a content bonanza coming this week. We're probably going to be doing reaction pods for each pick as they come in. So, uh, you know, we're, we're strapping in for a work week here, but it's going to be a fun one. I will have a nice new laptop tomorrow, so we will have better sound quality as well. And we'll talk to you guys on the other side. We certainly will. Uh, I want to thank everyone for tuning in this week. Hope you guys have yourselves a great weekend. Uh, go ahead and follow the show on social media if you're not already. It's at Podcast Beatdown on Twitter. You can find me at Jake Luke. That's L-O-U-Q-U-E. Spencer is at Ravens 4 Dummies. That's the number four. And follow the big site at Be More Beatdown. Also, go ahead and leave us a review on iTunes and a, uh, a five-star rating. Uh, follow us on YouTube and subscribe. Leave us a comment, like, whatever uh, on there. Appreciate you guys. As always, have yourselves a tremendous weekend, and we will talk to you again very soon. See ya. Arriva Derchi. Before we jump into the interview with uh, Anthony Averett, just wanted to quickly let you guys know uh, before we... Uh, 
play it here that he is a little bit of a soft-spoken guy, and uh, not that there's anything wrong with that, but uh, unfortunately, some of the technical issues that Spencer mentioned there, uh, they might have compounded with that fact, and uh, it makes him maybe a little bit hard to hear in spots, but I did go in and uh, clean it up and do some audio and volume correction where necessary. I think it sounds just fine, but I uh, just want to let you guys know before we jump into that. It's otherwise a great chat with uh, Anthony for about 20 minutes, so hope you guys enjoy it, and uh, have yourselves a great weekend, and we'll talk to you again uh, with the coming episode on Monday. See ya. All right. We now welcome on a very special guest. It's Ravens cornerback, Anthony Averett. Thanks for joining us, man. Yeah, hey, glad to be here. Glad to join with you guys. Yeah, definitely. So you're, uh, you're jumping on here with a new foundation that you're starting up. And I first wanted to give you a chance to talk about that before we get going here. Yeah, I'm just getting like my foundation name and everything started right now. But, uh, for all that, I mean, I've, I've been just, you know, giving back to a lot of my community and like my school and just things around the area. So I'm just getting started. Yeah, definitely. So uh, we're uh, really curious to start you off about what your off season is looking like so far and how it kind of compares to last year's uh, COVID off season. I imagine it's maybe a little bit different so far. Oh yeah, it's a big difference. <laughs> a very, very big difference. I mean, they have a lot more freedom just to go out and just do little things. But uh, as far as working out, I mean, we get to go to our own facilities and, you know, work you know, still get our private, you know, workouts in, but definitely a big difference, you know, it's not a, not in a, you know, deeper in the pandemic as we was last year around this time. Yeah, definitely. What would you say are maybe three things that are especially different for you as far as saying shape during the season versus a time of the year, like April when there's no season really going on? I mean, during the season, I mean, of course you have a lot more time, but I think it is, you know, it's not as bad, you know, uh, especially now, uh, I'll just say, I don't think it's really a big difference. I can say that. I think I think it's not really much of a big difference uh, between you know last year and this this year when it comes to the off season. When it comes to the time, I mean, we're still here, going to the facilities and you know uh, getting the proper workouts in. But we have more time. You can see our family a lot more. We'll say that and uh, just you know stay safe. You know, and I'm actually about to get vaccinated very soon. So I mean, that's a positive too. Yeah, definitely. And speaking of the season, you guys uh, had a little bit of a wild one in there in 2020, and uh, you actually bounced back and forth on the roster due to some injury issues. Where would you uh, rank 2020 as far as personal success for you uh, in comparison to the other two seasons you've played so far? Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, I think last year was definitely like my mother my way. It probably was the best season by, by far, even though with the injury. I was playing at a high level even before the injury in the beginning of the season. And then I got hurt at the Eagles game, and I came back the Cowboys game that night and I played a whole lot of snaps. And until then, I mean, I'm starting for a few games and I think one game to play off, I played just a little bit. So, but I mean, I, I played really well, stepped up for my team. So, like, I'm just, you know, just making myself more valuable and, you know, to the team. Right. And even though you're still so young, it, it kind of weirdly feels like you've been around for a while. And I think that might have to do with the fact that you played for such a big college program. How would you? Uh, you know, so far compare your experiences in the pros playing for a guy like John Harbaugh versus playing for Nick Saban down at Bama? Mm-hmm. Oh, well, yeah, actually very similar. I mean, we definitely practice hard. Uh, he's definitely like, a, I wouldn't say he's an old school guy, but, you know, he has, he has like old school habits and we definitely, we grind it out, practice hard. I mean, pretty much like, you know, perfectionist too, especially when it comes to special teams and little things with details, things like that. So they're kind of similar. Yeah, right. And the uh, the system at Bama actually relied heavily on a lot of like press man principles. So were you hoping to sort of land somewhere with like a similar system to that? And like, do you think that really helped you when you ultimately wound up in Baltimore where you're doing some of the same stuff? Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, 
<laughs> most definitely is. Uh, a lot of press men, a lot of men to men. That's exactly what I was doing in Alabama, like what you said. So com- being comfortable, that was very, I mean, I got comfortable very quickly here. And uh, and just the family, too. I mean, I feel like it's very family-oriented to the Ravens. So, and it was like that with uh, Alabama. So, I mean, I definitely felt like I was home in the right place to be. Yeah, they definitely are. Uh, that's a good point there. And your 2018 draft class actually had a really, like a lot of really strong players in it. You got guys like Lamar, Orlando Brown, Mark Andrews, Hayden Hurst. They kind of all come in and make immediate impacts there. Was that kind of tough to watch them do that while you were struggling with injuries that same season, or were you just kind of focused on your rehab? Yeah, I'm just focused on my rehab. I mean, I was glad those guys. I mean, I wasn't surprised either. I mean, our class was really pretty talented, you know, even though we had like a lot of people, you know, like, you know, they let go or they got traded and things like that. But as you can see, we're very talented and, you know, hopefully, we, you know, this was a, a lot of us last year's our contracts this year, but uh, a lot of us, but we just want to go out with a bang with this, with this year too as well. Yeah, definitely. And looking back on your first two seasons there as a pro, 18 and 19, you saw some action. You started a handful of games. Uh, as a fourth round pick, was there like a specific moment where you all of a sudden felt ready to be a pro, or was it just kind of a gradual learning process over that period? Mm, I don't think I have one actual moment that I can pick, but uh, definitely, yeah, like what you said, it was, it was pretty much just gradually. I mean, more the more I was on the field, the more comfortable I got. So, you know, as you can, I think I feel like as I can see this year, I feel like me and my family both. We all saw that I play. I was very comfortable this year being my third year. So the more experience and the more time I'm out there, the better I am. So it's by, I think I think last year was like one of my best, well, not, probably the best year I had so far. Yeah, definitely. And this past year in 2020, you kind of touched on, th- touched on it there. That was a crazy one for a lot of reasons. I think not the least of which was that you guys lose a star player in the secondary literally right before the start of the season. And you don't have to say anything specific about like Earl that it gets you in trouble, but what was it like to all of a sudden have to rally around a guy like Deshaun to come in and replace him at safety like a week or two before the season kicks off? Well, me personally, I mean, it, it, it wasn't a big deal when it came to when Deshaun's coming out. We all kind of, we all counted on him. We all was confident in Deshaun. So, uh, and plus when I came in, we were like roommates. So we already kind of had like a bond coming in the same class. So, I was ready, I was ready, you know, ready for uh, Deshaun to lead anyway. So it wasn't, you know, it wasn't really a big, you know, a big deal when it came to that. He wasn't surprised that, you know, that he was able to like lead things like that. So it was definitely, you know, I mean, he played well this year. So I mean, it's definitely positive. Yeah, definitely. And you guys got off to a really nice start start as a team. Then you maybe start to struggle a little bit, and then on top of that, COVID hits your locker room mid season. That was wild just to follow, like, as a fan from my perspective. So I'm definitely curious about how crazy it was to be a part of the team when all that stuff was going down. Yeah, <laughs> a lot of it was very hectic. It was something that, uh, I mean, I did never really experienced or I don't think anybody. So it was hectic for the coaches and the players as well. You know, they had to figure out scheduling, you know, scheduling, and uh, we had to figure out this. Because it was certain, certain games, uh, we barely practice. We practice, like, once a week. I think the Stiller game, I let that second time we played the Stiller though. I think we only practiced like once or twice. And we, we didn't even like, wasn't even be able to be, you know, to go in the building. And there's just so many rules and regulations we had to follow. So it, it, it was definitely, it was definitely different. Definitely hectic. Hopefully we don't have to deal with that this year. Yeah, hopefully not at all. Um, I don't know if you guys are going to be getting the vaccine or whatever it is, but uh, I don't want to see that happen to you guys either. Yeah. But 
Y'all, yeah, you fought some injuries that year too, or last year too. And you know, you get in, you get some really good playing time down the stretch in the regular season and into the playoffs. Did you feel nervous at all? Like, you know, the defense suddenly needed you in, you know, all those big games down the stretch. And how good did it kind of feel to come in and play well for that many weeks in a row? Oh, well, it definitely felt good. And I mean, I don't know if I was, I think I was just more anxious just because it's been a while since I've been, <laughs> it's been a while I haven't really been out, you know, during the season like ever. For me, like that, not that long. So I mean, I think first time I think I've really broken a bone in my, you know, in my area up here. So it was just different. It was a different feeling for me, guys. You know, anyway. But uh, as far as playing time and just playing well, I mean, I'm I was just glad that my my teammates and my coaches they had confidence in me. So I mean, it made it easy for me to go out there and be comfortable and just play and just play my game and. I was comfortable, you know. I just want to prove to everybody that I'm, I'm, you know, I'm here, I'm here to stay, and I'm just, you know, here to stay, and I, you know, I just to give more value to the team and, and just keep balling, really. Yeah, definitely. And uh, we mentioned earlier, you got drafted the, the same year as Lamar. And a storyline that kind of followed Lamar since he was a rookie, fair or not, was that he couldn't get it done in the playoffs. And you guys finally do it against the Titans, thanks to uh, your boy Marcus making a huge play there. Uh, you know, again, don't let me get you in trouble here, but how did it feel to kind of stomp on that logo? And what was it like in the locker room after with the guys? No, I mean, it was great, man. It was, it was, I mean, yeah, it was a celebration. I mean, it was, it was what you saw pretty much. Uh, we didn't really mean any like type of disrespect, but I mean, those guys, you know, they hopped. They were, they were on their logo early in the season. I mean, it was the thing that they started, and we just pretty much wanted to finish it pretty much, so. I mean, yeah, they blame Marcus for it, but I mean, we always buy Deion Beasley behind his back. So, I mean, you know, we, we had his back. So, it wasn't, it wasn't like a big, you know, extreme uh, event there for us. Yeah, definitely. And uh, as a fan, I can tell you, I'm glad you guys did because that was uh, pretty fucking awesome. But uh, a couple more before we let you go here. Uh, the Ravens, you know, you guys got a ton of good DBs there in the building. Who would you say is the best one of the group? And who would you say you've learned from the most in your career so far? <sighs> Single out one of them. Uh, I, I can't single out just one of them. I can say a few guys, even guys that's not even here anymore. Uh, like Brandon Carr, he was like he was actually a veteran that I actually looked up to. You know, when I first got there, he was one of the first ones. He he kind of helped me out big time when I got there. Uh, uh, Weddle too. Like those guys, my first guy when I was a rookie. I'm talking like when I was a rookie. So those guys, like older guys, I can say. And now I mean Chuck. Chuck, I mean, he's a, he's a professional. I mean, I kind of just look up and see what he does because I feel like he's just like a very professional. I was a good professional, you know. He just does everything right, you know, and uh, does everything the coaches ask for him, you know, so things like that. So, yeah, those type of guys I feel like, you know, I feel pretty much like look up to and they help me out big time. Yeah, it's a great group. And when you've got a room full of alpha dogs like that, you included, is there like a line between competitiveness, but also like learning from each other that you guys have? I'm kind of curious about that, like dynamic between a bunch of guys at one position group that are all really good. Mm-hmm. Well, the one thing I will say about our position group, I mean, we have a lot of different pers- personalities and different egos, but we kind of just beat the egos at the door. I mean, that's one thing uh, uh, Coach Wink, he pretty much preaches, you know, as soon as, as, soon as a lot of guys come in here, we beat the egos at the Egos at the door, and we just you know learn. We just try to win. Just you know, play great defense. I mean, we have you know you know the Baltimore Ravens. You always have good defense, so that's one of the things we focus on. And <laughs> our secondary. I mean, I, I think we're like the best secondary, the deepest secondary, and you know in the NFL. So by far, in my in my opinion, but 
definitely, I mean, helping, helping those guys at the backfield and just along with just a whole a defensive line and just a whole defense period in our scheme. I mean, we pretty much we should be good for a very long time. Yeah, I think I'd agree with you on that. And, uh, you know, kind of speaking of that defense as a whole, we hear a lot about Wink Martindale as a potential head coaching candidate. I'm curious from your perspective just what it's like to play for the guy. Oh, yeah, I love Wink. And uh, Wink loved me, man. He had a great relationship. Uh, he has a lot of confidence in me, and I got a lot of confidence in him. And, uh, I mean, he's great, man. he got a great personality. He's a players coach, for sure. I mean, he actually, you know, joke around with the players and stuff like that. And that's what you kind of want as a player. You know, he keeps it fun. And he lets him play, play a little bit, man. He lets him play, you know. He lets him play loose and have yeah, fun with it. You know, we're not up so tight out there. So, it's fun playing with him. since a lot of blitzes and things like that. It's a lot of, a lot of things that happen, you know. So, that's what he's a great, I mean, a great coach to play for. Yeah, definitely. Um, another kind of out of left field one here, but you played well against DK Metcalf in college. You also like held your own against some of the bigger receivers out there in the league when you got put into the lineup last year. What's your mindset when it comes to covering guys who are much bigger than you? Oh, I keep it simple. I mean, I know, I know, hey, I know, I know they're not going to run past me. So I mean, a lot of things I just try to get physical with them and just you know stay in front of them, watch the back shoulder and. That's how, that's how I play those type of big guys, man. I mean, because I know they're going to use the size. They're going to use, you know, the strength, try to push off, you know, things like that. And I was kind of, I was pretty familiar with Metcalf. I faced him in college uh, once, and I, and I faced him actually. I faced him when he got to Seahawks, too. Uh, my, well, yeah, my, I can say sophomore year, but my second year when I played the Seahawks. So, uh, I mean, I, I had my own to get to him again, too. So I was kind of familiar with him from college. And I think that was one of the reasons why I stuck him, you know, like, I mean, like, two years ago. Yeah, so were you kind of lobbying to go up against them in that game? Mm-hmm, yeah, I was familiar. Yeah, I was definitely familiar with him. Yeah, it was a great, it was a great receiver, a great matchup, but I'm ready for him. For sure. Uh, you mentioned big egos earlier. Uh, you've been teammates with Marlon Humphrey at two different levels now. Uh, it seems like every year of his career, he's come out of his shell more and more. How would you compare Marlon as a teammate at Alabama versus Marlon as a teammate on the Ravens? Because he's uh, he seems like he's a character. <laughs> oh yeah, he definitely talks a lot more now, <laughs> and I feel like everybody, everybody that went to Alabama and see him now, that like he definitely talks more now. I mean, hey, that's why every day you just get older, you get older. I don't know. Is he getting older? He's changing things up, but he changes for the good, man. He's still a great teammate, great person. He's not like a different person, but yeah, he talks a lot more. And hey, it's fun. I like this Marlon, though. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And, uh, you know, playing corner like you guys do, it seems like the hardest job in football to me. And I think a lot of people think that. Is that something you'd agree with? And what's mm-hmm. one thing you want fans to know about playing the position that they might not already know? Oh, well, corner, it is, yeah, you, you're right. It is the hardest position. I mean, I think you definitely have to be like uh, the most athletic. Uh, I mean, outside of playing quarterback, I think corner is definitely, I mean, you have to know. I mean, like, just one thing that people don't really realize, the receivers know where they're going. The corners, we don't know where they're going. I mean, we can watch film and do all this and that how we want, but it's, it's a lot of reaction, a lot of fast twitch, and we got to run full speed backpedaling. So <laughs> it's kind of, you know, things get difficult. And But, I mean, hey, that, that corner, I mean, I love to play. I mean, I didn't really start playing corner until I got to college, but it was a reason why I wanted to play corners. It was fun, though. Definitely. And uh, lastly, what are some of your goals for 2021, either personally or as a player, if you don't mind sharing with us? 
Yeah, you know what it takes, and uh, our audience is going to like hearing that. But uh, all right, buddy. Well, thanks a ton for your time. We hope you have a great and uh, healthy season this coming fall. You want to plug your foundation one more time before you get out of here? Oh, uh, right now it's just Anthony Avery Foundation right now. We're working on, uh, you know, becoming, you know, getting uh, a title and a picture for it and everything. And uh, just gonna be, hey, I'm just going to keep giving back and, you know, keep... Uh, you know, just keep going, going to it. That's all. Cool, man. Well, best of luck with all that and uh, with the, the football this coming fall, like I said. And uh, you have yourself a great weekend here, okay? All right. Thank you. All right. Bye. Gorlami. Gorlami. Arrivederci. 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 We're